I'm Kendall Giles, and this is the Techno Slipstream Podcast, where we explore what you need to know about the intersection of science, technology, and society. This is Episode 19. Before we begin, just a quick announcement. In Episode 18, we finished up our deep dive series of podcast episodes on science in modern America. And starting in late January-ish of 2022, I expect to start up a new deep dive series on research methods, especially those applicable to studying the intersection of technology and society. Between then and now, however, I thought it would be interesting to cover a series of shorter a la carte topics. So I'm calling this assorted topic series Winter Moss. I posted the reading list over on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Kendall Giles. But today serves as the first episode of our Winter Moss schedule. So with that orientation out of the way, let's get to episode 19. The department I am faculty in at Virginia Tech is the Bradley Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering, sometimes shortened to ECE. It's actually the fourth largest ECE department in the U.S., Now, there are many disciplines within ECE, from machine learning, robotics, and space systems to quantum photonics, power electronics, and radio frequency engineering, to name just a few. Yet, one of the programs I teach in has students from not just ECE, but also from computer science, as well as the departments from the Pamplin College of Business, such as accounting and information systems, business information technology, and management. I'm also a PhD student in the Department of Science, Technology, and Society, which is in the College of Liberal Arts and Human Sciences. Most ECE faculty, however, only teach ECE students. I mention all of this because one day I happened to meet an ECE faculty member from another university, and I got all excited because they said, They do interdisciplinary teaching and research. This interested me because it's rare to meet another faculty member who has experience working across disciplines. So when I asked about their interdisciplinary work, they said yes. They teach engineering classes and do engineering research, not only in the high-frequency part of the spectrum, which is the part of the electromagnetic frequency range from 3 megahertz up to 30 megahertz, but also the ultra-high frequency part of the spectrum, which is the part of the electromagnetic frequency range from 300 megahertz to 3 gigahertz. Now, they seemed quite proud of this, and I was happy for them, but their definition of interdisciplinarity was quite different than my own. So, clearly, there are multiple definitions and understandings of interdisciplinarity. So in today's episode, I thought it would be interesting to try to get a better understanding of just what people mean when they say they are doing interdisciplinary work. To ground us, we'll be looking at the book Beyond Interdisciplinarity, Boundary Work, Communication, and Collaboration by Julie Thompson-Klein. Okay, let's dive in. So the topic today is interdisciplinarity. And from the introduction, one question we have on the table is, well, just what is it? Clearly, there seems to be multiple definitions and understandings of 
interdisciplinary work. Another question I have is also based on my experience in the university. We hear a lot here about how important it is to do interdisciplinary or even transdisciplinary work. Yet funding seems to be focused on STEM, or science, technology, engineering, and math disciplines, rather than disciplines also in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, for example. So if interdisciplinary work really is important, why do things seem to stay the same? Why do the disciplines, structures, and cultures on campus seem to stay siloed in their traditional organizations and ways of looking at the world? And the final question then I have is, given the confusing and multiple understandings of interdisciplinarity, and given how difficult it seems to actually be able to do interdisciplinary work, what are some tips or best practices to consider when trying to be interdisciplinary? For answers, or at least guidance, the book we will be diving into is Beyond Interdisciplinarity, Boundary Work, Communication, and Collaboration, which was published this year in 2021. The author is Julie Thompson-Klein, who is Professor of Humanities Emerita at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan, in the U.S., and International Research Affiliate in the Transdisciplinary Lab at ETH Zurich, Switzerland. She has a PhD in English from the University of Oregon, and she has a vast career exploring interdisciplinarity. She's written a number of books on interdisciplinarity and was also associate editor of the Oxford Handbook on Interdisciplinarity. So essentially her career has been exactly on researching and understanding interdisciplinarity, just what we need. Okay, so first question, what is interdisciplinarity? Well, in a sense, we've been talking about this the whole time in this episode so far. When you have an academic discipline, such as physics or English or electrical and computer engineering or philosophy, you are describing boundaries that academics have constructed to contain faculty communities, each with different epistemic cultures. Listen, for example, to episode 13 of this podcast, where we discussed laboratory studies. Biology, for example, is an academic discipline that contains faculty trying to understand the world by taking organisms from their natural environment, bringing them into a laboratory, and manipulating those organisms to better understand how those organisms work. Klein's book contains the following quote, Disciplines specify the objects we study, e.g. genes, deviant persons, and classic texts, and relations that obtain from them mutation, criminality, and canonicity. They provide criteria for knowledge, e.g. truth, significance, and impact, and methods of obtaining it, such as quantification, interpretation, and analysis. Thus, the disciplines are organized to teach and research certain methods, topics, techniques, and concepts, and not others. Disciplines create epistemic cultural boundaries, and thus, True interdisciplinarity involves crossing those boundaries. While that engineering faculty member I mentioned in this episode's introduction could in one sense be correct that they were indeed interdisciplinary because they did research not only in the HF or high-frequency part of the electromagnetic spectrum, but also in the ultra-high-frequency part of the spectrum, 
Given our understanding of interdisciplinarity based on Klein's book, I would say no. They are not doing interdisciplinary work. They are still viewing the world as an electrical engineer. They might be using different formulas to plug in their frequencies, or maybe they might submit their different publications to different electrical engineering journals, one focused on HF methods and one focused on UHF methods, for example, but it's still just electrical engineering. So if an electrical engineering faculty member researching HF and UHF, parts of the electromagnetic spectrum, is not really doing interdisciplinary work, what is an example of interdisciplinarity? One example that comes to mind is cybernetics. In 1948, Norbert Wiener published the book Cybernetics, or Control and Communication in the Animal and the Machine, where he proposed a new approach for understanding self-regulating machines based on how biological organisms functioned. Wiener's idea was to combine methods and viewpoints from biology, information theory, neuroscience, computer science, psychology, and mathematics to create machines that could think, learn, and operate in the real world. The deep learning artificial intelligence algorithms that we read about in the news today that can play chess and classify images grew from this early cybernetics work. Okay, so if cybernetics is an example of interdisciplinary work, that leads us to our second question. Why is doing interdisciplinary work so difficult? After all, we don't have cybernetics departments in universities today. Well, Klein uses the metaphor of critical mass to suggest that while disciplines can change over time and new disciplines can form, in order for changes to stick, there needs to be enough dedicated scholars and educators, large enough research and educational programs, sufficient finances, infrastructures, and scholarly knowledge, and a self-defined identity. Author Jean-Pierre Dupuy argues in his book on the origins of cognitive science, the mechanization of the mind, that cybernetics largely evolved into what is today known as cognitive science, which combines researchers from philosophy, linguistics, anthropology, neuroscience, artificial intelligence, and psychology. Yet, even in cognitive science departments today, those core disciplines remain largely intact. It is taking a very long time to transcend the boundaries of those core disciplines to form a new science of mind. For example, in the cognitive science program at Indiana University, they say that they explore the science of the mind by encouraging collaboration between many participating disciplines. Thus, perhaps similar to what Boromir says in Lord of the Rings, that one does not simply walk into Mordor. In academia, one does not simply walk into a discipline to change it or to create a new one. Faculty in a discipline have established bodies of knowledge, research processes and methods, notions of rigor, and ways of distributing new discoveries and information. So there is often rigid resistance to any attempts by transgressing outsiders to bring in new methods or to change existing methods. So change can happen, but it can take a long time and needs a significant mass of support to make any change lasting. So this brings us to our last question about interdisciplinarity. 
What are some tips or best practices to consider when trying to be interdisciplinary? For the first tip, I'll refer us back to the Techno Slipstream podcast, episode number eight, where we talked about the book Rethinking Expertise by Harry Collins and Robert Evans. In that book, Collins and Evans identified five categories of expertise. One, beer mat knowledge. Two, popular understanding. Three, primary source knowledge. Four, interactional expertise. And five, contributory expertise. It is those last two categories of expertise that are important for cross-disciplinary work. Types of knowledge that the authors refer to as specialist tacit knowledge. The idea is that each discipline has bodies of knowledge that are known and written down. These are the journal articles and textbooks, for example, that can be accessible and learned by anybody. But disciplines also have bodies of tacit knowledge. This is knowledge that is known within a discipline and that may not be written down or that only may be learned through experience with a discipline. For example, Interactional expertise is said to be the level of expertise gained where someone might know the language of a particular knowledge domain, but may not be able to contribute new knowledge within that domain. This is actually a new category of knowledge that the authors spend quite a lot in their book developing. But an example of interactional expertise is given by one of the authors, Harry Collins. Harry has some 30 years of experience embedded with physicists researching gravitational waves. To be clear, the physicists were researching gravitational waves, but Harry was researching how the physicists were creating knowledge and doing science. He was performing ethnographic field studies to learn how the physicists do their work. This type of research can only be done by being immersed within the particular community. Over time, Harry learned quite a bit about gravitational waves. He was not able to do physics research on gravitational waves, but he did learn the language of gravitational waves, a level of expertise that cannot be learned just from reading books. Contributory expertise, then, is a level of expertise in a discipline that is what we might traditionally imagine if someone was called an expert in that discipline, someone with enough knowledge and experience that they are able to create new knowledge in a given field. The gravitational wave physics researchers, for example, have contributory expertise in the gravitational wave domain. Thus, to do interdisciplinary work across two disciplines, for example, one does not have to have contributory expertise in that second discipline. But I think you do need to have at least interactional expertise. You would need to have an understanding of the language used by that second domain along with the rules of practice and other tacit forms of knowledge held dear by that discipline. Otherwise, you're just going to cause confusion as you talk past each other. You gain this interactional expertise through enculturation within a community, which does take time. This is one reason why, I think, engineers have such a hard time with ethics and understanding bias, for example, within artificial intelligence. Most engineering programs simply sprinkle a few ethics tips here and there within the engineering coursework, instead of taking the time and effort to truly understand and integrate how technologies the engineers design affect society, a level of understanding that I call cyber wisdom. Engineering programs 
don't take the time and effort to gain even the interactional expertise needed to understand and teach these more humanistic concepts. For additional doing interdisciplinarity tips and best practices, Klein ends her book with what she calls six overarching principles for success. Transparency, informed use of best practices, models, guidelines, and reports, consistency and alignment of activities in a systematic approach, balance of disciplinary, professional, cross-disciplinary, and cross-sector work, credit for boundary crossing, and appropriate criteria of evaluation. By transparency, Klein means being sure to center communication in all interdisciplinary efforts. Participants in such a joint project may have common interests but different stakes, and these differences need to be made clear to all participants. By informed use of best practices, models, guidelines, and reports, Klein means guiding efforts of the group based on past and differing experiences of all the group members and being cognizant of relevant literatures from the various participating disciplines. By consistency and alignment of activities in a systematic approach, Klein means preventing one disciplinary viewpoint from taking over or from multiple approaches from colliding in a non-organized way. By balance of disciplinary, professional, cross-disciplinary, and cross-sector work, Klein means being sure to have an appropriate and diverse mix of expertise for the problem or question being addressed. By credit for boundary crossing, Klein means resisting the disciplinary tendency to diminish or marginalize efforts to cross disciplinary boundaries. And by appropriate criteria of evaluation, Klein means moving beyond using the metrics of a single discipline, but instead using or developing sincere criteria and measures for the cross-disciplinary problem being investigated. These tips and best practices, though, don't mean that interdisciplinary work will be easy. Faculty continue to be assessed and rewarded based on disciplinary metrics, which often discount cross-disciplinary work. This is a problem I personally face, but I do believe interdisciplinarity is important. I keep bringing up engineering education, ethics, and the impacts of technology and society as an example of why I think interdisciplinary work is important. That is a topic near and dear to my heart, so I'll keep beating that interdisciplinary drum. Thank you for listening and joining in this growing drum circle. And with that, let's wrap up episode 19. Please head over to patreon.com slash Kendall Giles to our Patreon page to sign up. In addition to supporting the show on Patreon, you can sign up to get the show transcripts, including links to other articles and books discussed and lots more. In any case, thank you for listening. And until next time, I'll see you in the Techno Slipstream.